Welcome to the Art of Body Language podcast, where we empower and uplift the dance community while helping them understand their injuries. The days of being frustrated about your injury are over. Before I begin this episode, I would like to invite you to reach out to me at theartofbodylanguage at gmail.com. Again, that is theartofbodylanguage at gmail.com with any questions about injuries that you may have or find me on Instagram at theartofbodylanguage. I am here to serve you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Art of Body Language podcast. Today I am interviewing Raymond Bennett. Thank you for coming on, Raymond. Of course. (laughs) Of course. I'm so excited to be here and talk about the, you know, journey and injuries and how to fix them. Keep his body working. If you guys don't know, Raymond has been such a huge, extraordinary part of my life. Everything no, from a big brother to mentor to choreographer to to teacher and trainer and just all of the above, the full package. Um, so I'm just so blessed that you made the time for me. You know, of course, anytime. So tell me a little bit about your dance journey. How did you get to where you are today? Well, I started dancing uh, when I was 12, and I started with tap dance because it was my first time in a tap class. I got put in beginner tap with like seven, eight, nine, ten year olds. I'm 12. Like I'm also the only black guy in there, so it's like, what's going on? What's happening? But we get to the end of the year performance or the recital, whatever you want to call it. And my director at the time pulled my parents to the side and was like, your son is amazing. Like, he took the entire show. Like, he came alive on stage. Um, I want him to be on the competition team next year. That would include taking more classes, ballet, jazz, hip hop, all of that. And they were like, well, is this something that you want to do? And I said, yes. And... Uh, from there, we moved to Florida, and I had to get really serious about my technique and my training because competition dance was cool. I learned a lot of cool tricks. I was a tumbler, and um, I said, okay, this is something that I really want to do for a career. But my technique was lacking as in regards to you know classical training. So... Uh, Moved to Florida, and that's where I got serious about it. I was taking ballet, you know, seven days a week, basically, and um, really got serious about the training. And from there, I went to New World School of the Arts in Miami for two years in their dance program. And then I transferred to the Ailey School in New York City, and I was in the fellowship program there for a year. So that is the training. And then immediately after the Ailey School, I was casted in The Wiz, uh, which was a summer Broadway production at New York City Center. And then I was a part of the ensemble for the Radio City Christmas Spectacular at Radio City Music Hall for about four years. And since then, I've just been, you know, freelancing and doing choreography and teaching and judging competitions. And that's it. That's the dance journey. I love it. I love it. So many elements. (laughs) So what is in the future for Mr. Bennett as far as dance goes? Well, in the future, in the distant future, I'm going to be moving back to the city. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> you know, I've been gone for a minute. Now Not back with the jump off. off. Well, Kim, okay. Um, no, I'm excited to be moving back to the city. I'm going to um, really attack this Broadway thing and go for it and uh, interested in film and TV and doing choreography for film and TV and teaching a lot more. So I'm just really, at this point, going for everything that I want when it comes to dance and performance and creation, being a creator. The kids are loving Broadway. I've had a couple <laughs> other that's like, yeah, I want to give, you know, want to hone my, my singing and my right. acting. And... and, you know, it's, so here's the thing. When a lot of us were training uh, to become dancers, the only thing that we saw was concert dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the goal for everyone. So that's a great goal to have, but it is, there's different avenues of success and how to get to success. And everyone's success is not the same. And everyone doesn't fit, fit the concert dance mold. I've been, you know, guest artist with companies and was apprentice with companies. And it's great. It's very hard work. It's just something that is fulfilling. But there is a point of it that you get to and you're like, is this really what I want to do? Right. I feel like I could be doing more. Now, there are some people that get in a get into a company and they are like, this is the bee's knees, like I'm having a great time. You know, I'm getting to travel, I'm getting to see the world and that's great. But for some people it's just like, there's more and then you start to see that there's more and you're equipped with those tools already. So you're like, I'm gonna try this. So I think that's where a lot of dancers are at this point in time. Got you, no, some great points and some great keys. I want to go back because I've been kind of delving into the whole leaving college and then either going to get a master's mm-hmm. or going into, you know, straight dancing. Mm-hmm. And after New World, you went to? I went to A-League. A-League. Okay. And how was leaving New World and then going into A-League with the, the, the dance schedule and taking care of your body? Well, okay, so um, the good thing about both of those institutions is that there was a very good physical therapy presence for the students. Um, Both of those schools had at least two physical therapy, like two physical therapists on staff, and they were there every day that we were there, and we had beginning of the semester assessments, and they go through the body, ask us about previous injuries, if they notice a weakness that we have, we would have to come in and do exercises and rebuild those, you know, from those bad habits that we formed before coming to the school. Um, So I was really set up for success going into my professional career because I had all of these tools in my tool bag from both of those schools. So um, that is just something I'm really grateful for because not only was I equipped with those things, but it forced me to pay attention to it as a professional um, and learn more about my body and what makes it, what really gets it warmed up, um, what is the best way for me to perform at tip-top shape. Got you. Love that. So as of right now, Mm -hmm. what is your daily or weekly self-care regimen or when you're 
you're dancing full time. Yeah. Uh, well, it's usually it's the same as performing and not performing. It's the same. I usually wake up and uh, do a roll down check. Like <laughs> as soon as my feet hit the ground, it's like rolling down from the head, and I'm taking a, a self assessment of my body and like what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And then I use that information and go straight into my workout okay. uh, for the day. The workout is tailored based on how I feel. Um, usually I try to stick to what the plan was, but if I notice that something does not feel good, I'm probably not going to focus on that in the gym. I'm going to focus on, you know, rehab activities for that specific body part to make it feel better to get ready for the next training day. And then if I'm, if I'm in season somewhere, if I'm dancing on a contract, I come home, eat, shower, and usually get to the theater or get to a voice lesson or do something to get ready for that day of shows and then get ready for the show, warm up and hit it. What's your warm up look like? So my warm up is very aerobic. Okay. Um, I'm the type of dancer that needs to be sweating, like, at plies. So <laughs> I, need to, I need to be in, like, full sweats, like, long sleeve shirt um, to really get my muscles warm because I, the way that my body is set up in terms of flexibility is... If I'm warm, that's the best for my muscles. Right. Um, because I'm still able to kick my face if I'm not warm, but I know that I will feel it mm-hmm. after the show is over. Oh, yeah. So it's best for me, listen, for me, it's best that I am fully warm, like completely drenched uh, by the end of the warm up, so that I know that my body is equipped for the performance. Got you. Um, so I'm going to kind of take a skirt, a left okay. turn for a second. Um, because you got into running. Yes. <laughs> right? I did. And I remember when you told me this, I was like, when we got our training, we were told the deer just can't run. <laughs> and <laughs> and here was, you are running. <laughs> and I was like, listen, what we had was, you know, we had really good, well-intentioned, teachers we had some of the same teachers and the information that they had at the time was correct right but now that we are you know in the future there's a lot more information out there Mm -hmm. as far as what is going to be healthy for a dancer healthy for a performer and running competing at that level was something that i always wanted to do but never could, whether it be for the, there was no time or the discouragement from a teacher. Right. Um, so I, <laughs> much to the surprise of family and most of my friends, decided to move away from New York at what was explained to me as my like peak time or like hot time of working consistently or being booked and I decided that I was going to train for the 2016 Olympics yeah. so in track and field. So I was running, and I remember I, I talked to you about it, and you were like, how is this going to work? And I explained that as long 
looking at the looking at the data of my body and what I wanted it to do as long as I warmed up the same and made sure to cool down and stretch after the limitations that we were taught wouldn't affect my dancing right. and when I was training I was still being pulled into you know do gigs and dance and I was able to really balance the two out perfectly and that was that was the point where I was like the exercise and dancing can actually coexist if it's done in the right way and that's what I was gonna get into <laughs> because I'm pretty sure I've said this before in another episode but I'm gonna keep saying it the fact that dancers only dance yeah and the issue and that, that is the issue and that is the issue and they think oh I'm weak so I need to do more dancing. dancing. No, no, that is the last thing you need to be <laughs> you need doing. To do something you need to be doing something else, else with your body. Yoga, strength training, Pilates, Pilates something, something else yeah. to help with that stability, to help with the Because core. listen, you like <sighs> there was the first workout that I had after moving from New York, and this is after like being a full time like dancer all the time and i i've always been an athletic person mm -hmm. i've always gone to the gym but this was something completely different i was now becoming a professional athlete in that arena dancers are athletes don't be mistaken but i was becoming a professional athlete in the normal sense like strength training and all of that and the first workout while i was very mobile there were a lot of things mobility-wise that I could do that others could not because of my dance background. There were a lot of instabilities that I had mm -hmm. when it came to single leg things, when it came to moving unilaterally. There, there were a lot of movements that I learned in the training that we don't necessarily touch on in dance training that has helped my dancing completely. That listen, that hit it on the head. I have literally <laughs> seen like runners and people come in and they are bulky and they got all this muscle. Big ass. Oh Lord, he's Do a squat or a single leg squat, single leg and squat. it will it will show you all It'll of their weaknesses. Everything. It'll show you everything. everything. It's going one way, their arch is going another. The knees falling in. The, the knees falling in. The hip is like you. Whoa, whoa! What are you doing? Like you doing this every day? No wonder why you're hurting. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you take when you take that example and you transfer it into a dancer, and you're getting to see what that what they are dancing on every day and the amount of stress that they're putting on their joints and all of that based on instabilities you're like okay these are the things that we can do to fix this so you're not injured yo and i'm just even thinking about like my ladies on point oh, right completely, you're, you're even that, like, like you're on the box that's a complete you, you're on one leg different situation now you're doing a mini squat right yeah. a mini squat on point which is like single leg yeah, like so what many, like so many pounds of pressure on joints that were really not made to have that many like that amount of pressure on it yeah um so i think it's i think doing something other than dance 
is going to be beneficial for dancers long longevity mm-hmm. and how long their career goes and all of that and now it's today it's much more possible to dance you know at a very high level for much longer mm-hmm. if you are cognizant of your diet and your activity level outside of dance and all of that it can lead to a very long career as a dancer if you pay attention to it and that's what that should be the goal of every dancer like that's what every dancer wants to do because this is something that we love and we also want to work so coin that's it. yes <laughs> Um, so let's get into any injuries that you have had yes. in the past. So uh, the first like real injury that I've had, like knock on wood, I haven't had major major injuries like I've like some of my friends have had. But um, I was in my first season at Radio City, mm-hmm. and we were finishing rehearsal, going into tech rehearsal, and. We did the run-through, and after the run-through of the show, my knee was like, it was it was huge. Like, it, was, <laughs> it had swollen up, okay? So I was like, I had never experienced anything like that. So I'm like, what's going, what's going on? So I went to the uh, PT and AT that we had on staff at Radio City for us. And they were like, okay, so this is what we this is what we want you to do. We want you to ice it tonight. We want you to stay off of it. And then you're gonna come back tomorrow and we're gonna assess like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that, the swelling went down and came back in and they were, you know, poking and prodding and looking at everything and they were like, Oh, it could be coming from it could be coming from your hamstring, it could be coming from your calf. Like, let's see what's going on. They're like, where's the pain? They're like, okay. Once I said that it was on the side leading into the front of my knee, they were like, it's your IT band. Like, your IT band is rock solid. Like, I could play the guitar on your IT band. So they then set me on a course of action to be able to get through the season um, healthily and be able to not have to call out of shows and, all of that because I don't know if you know, but the Radio City season, there's two casts of the show, like two complete casts. There's a morning cast and there's an evening cast because every day there are between four and six shows. Mm -hmm. So each cast is responsible for half of the day. And I was in the night cast. So, you know, we're doing at minimum two shows a day, at maximum four or five shows a day. So that's running from the beginning of November into the first week of January, at the end of the season, we had done 117, 120 shows in that short amount of time. So there's a lot of stress on the body and they just wanted to make sure I was healthy enough to get through it. So the first injury that I had was my knee. And the course of action that they put in place was looking at what instabilities I had when it came to the knee joint and what was causing the IT band to be so tight. So they gave me a lot of exercises to do, and it was honestly a lot of just, like, horrible deep tissue work Mm -hmm. to, like, break up the years of fascia that were bonded together. Because we didn't, I mean, we had foam rollers, but it was like nobody really taught us how to use them. Mm-hmm. No, nobody really forced us to use them. 
Um, and I think it's a tool that is really important as a dancer or an athlete to use a foam roller or use a lacrosse ball, use a tennis ball. Like the, the fascia of the body is easily adhered to one another. So you have to think about breaking. <laughs> Yo, you have to think about you have to think about uh, keeping those as malleable and as separate as possible. Yes, I want to I want to comment on that, and the PT kids may come for me, and that is fine. <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, what you hear and what is also taught is that the IT band can't be stretched. So you're yeah. wasting your time because it's such a thick band. I feel I I understand what they're saying in the sense that it doesn't stretch in the same fashion as a muscle. I'm gonna say I don't agree with that. And I've also met PTs that have also said I don't agree with that because I work on the IT band. I give them the soft tissue mobilization. We yeah. do foam roll and they get relief. Yeah. So really, F what science says or what y'all think it says, if it's it helping my patient get better, yeah. you know, that's what we're going to do. And I think that's another issue within the medical field is that we are so gung-ho to the research and the science and this yeah. is what they found. Well... I mean, that's all a great, but it's not about you. It's not about it's you. It's about, about your patient. patient. Yeah, it's about your patient. So Come you on, say it, somebody. Say, listen, turn oh, to your neighbor and say it's, it's about, about your patient. patient. So oh. you have to like, you have to listen to them. You have to, you have to hear them out because they are the ones that are inside their body. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can look at the data and you can look at all the tests that you ran and everything, and you can that can say one thing, but the patient is inside of their body on the stage every day so you have to listen to what they're saying and you have to you may have to take a different approach opposed to science or the Mm -hmm. data um there was there was a treatment that i got at the end of every show week at radio city and it was basically a plunger um it was like a mini plunger and they the therapist would um take some cream and uh, lather up the side of my leg where the IT band is. And I would lay on my side on the table and bend the the top leg, the leg that they were gonna be working on. And she would start at the top of my hip where the IT band attaches. And she just takes the plunger down from the hip to the knee and what it feels what it feels like is it's actually separating the fascia of the IT band and it's just like a mini plunger like they call it the plunger i would come up and be like can i get in line to get plunged like literally running from the dressing room to beat the rockets upstairs to get plunged y'all because- i'm heading to walmart tonight <laughs> for those that i practice on <laughs> Y'all gonna get this plunger real quick. Listen, I'm telling you, it's not. It's not for the faint of heart. Like it, it oh. is the treatment when it's happening. I'm telling you, I had some silent tears just oh. like rolling down because it was so. They were so tight. They were so fused together that it was just. It was something that needed to be done, and I'm someone that have have always had sensitive knees mm-hmm. because 
I grew rapidly. Yeah. Um, you know, as a young as a young man, we had a we have growth spurts, and my growth spurt came really quickly, and I grew, you know, almost six inches in a matter of months. Wow. So the growing pains that I had were excruciating. Like it was, it was. Like, I can't even explain it. Like, I, I'm sitting here going back to that time and my parents didn't really know what to do because it's the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And they're like, I don't know, like, what do you like? What do you need? And I couldn't explain it. It's not I can't articulate it. I know it's not from dance. I know it's just from me waking up and like, I can't really walk. So I'm always like, I've always been, you know, very very I've paid attention to my knees so when I felt the relief keyword relief as the patient after having the attention paid to my IT bands I realized that you know you have to pay attention to them you have to you have to give them the care that you give you know a fattier muscle a hamstring a quadricep like they can be treated in the same fashion but you just have to alter the treatment Right. Got you. Okay. So you have the plunger. The plunger works. Listen, I'm taking notes over the here. Plunger works. We're gonna see. <laughs> okay. Now, um, I'd like you to kinda to go into you miss you he leaving stuff out, y'all. He did some <laughs> stuff on a cruise ship. He's so humble. Can we please Listen, talk to the listeners? It's just it's, just, it's been a lot of things that I've done. I've done I've performed at every level that a dancer can perform mm-hmm. at. Like from theme parks all the way up to Broadway, I've done everything. I just did a cruise ship contract. Once again, much to the, you know, befuddlement of my friends <laughs> and my inner circle of best friends and who are also performers because they were like Yo, like, I know you, and I don't really think that you're going to like this experience. Um, And they were right. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I was just spoiled. But it's something that they also said, you don't know if you're going to like it until you try it. Right. And I said, this is something that I want to try. And I was very specific about what contract I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, and uh, that's what I got offered. So mm-hmm. obviously I took it because that's what I asked for. Right. And it was a great time. I got to travel for free. Basically, like, I got paid to travel. So it was great. I had a great time. I did get injured on this contract. Listen, I got you. I want to, before we go there, before we I, go there. I want you to talk. <laughs> back, 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 back it up. Back hey. I just want you to talk about, I guess, the the struggles or the learning curve, if if there was any, with dealing with dancing and being on water. (laughs) (laughs) Wait in the water. Wait in the water, I was. Because the thing, I mean, I would hear people talk about performing on the water and it's something that you don't know how you're going to react until you do it. Mm -hmm. Until you're in that situation where the ship is listing to one side completely and you have to continue with the choreography. Like there's nothing you can do 
but continue dancing like you're on stage you can't stop and it i mean the first show that we opened was one of the rockiest nights that we had the entire contract and i was on board for seven and a half months so this was a long time it was one of the rockiest nights and after that show i was like if i got through that i can get through anything <laughs> like it was unbelievable like there was a point at the before the last number of this particular show that we did all of the dancers are in a straight line at the back of the stage and all you see next to you is people rocking back and forth <laughs> in a straight line like we're supposed to be standing still upright and you're just rocking back and forth and it's literally you there were many times where i would take off from the stage from a jump the ship would move and the stage would be a lot closer than it was when i left the stage so there was you always there was never a show where i could go on autopilot right you always hear of dancers that have danced for a very long time going on autopilot when they're comfortable with the choreography because the stage is not moving. <laughs> so when the stage is constantly moving, you can never truly go on autopilot because you always have to be problem solving in your head. What if this happens? What if the ship moves suddenly? Because we're on water. So there's no, there's no way to know what's going to happen next until you get through it and move on to the next step. So you there's an, you have to you have to constantly think ahead of something that is undetectable. Mm. My next question. <laughs> so speaking to like the medical provider, the PT, the MD, how do you think we could help you guys prepare for that? So if you are going to, I would say if you're going to help a performer that's going onto a cruise ship, you the number one thing that you should be focusing on is core work. Mm. You need to be focusing on core work. And this is for anybody, any performer that's stepping on stage, whether it be a singer, a dancer, you know, an acrobat, whatever. You need to be focusing on core work because there's no amount of flexibility that is going to save you if the ship moves there's no amount of there's no amount of uh you know stability of the of the joints that's going to save you the only thing that is going to save you from falling down on the stage is your core <laughs> like that is that is it so that is something that i pulled from my tool bag while i was in rehearsal and I was very focused on my core. At the beginning of, you know, right before tech rehearsal, I would always be doing core work because that was something that I just knew I was going to need nice. to stay on this leg because if not, I'm going to be on the ground. Now, granted, I did end up falling anyway, <laughs> but it was not to the lack of preparation of my core. Right. Got you. So let's talk about this fall. Yes, the infamous fall. The infamous fall happened, and it was because of a costume piece 
It wasn't because of the ship. It wasn't because of anything that I did choreography-wise. It was because of a jewel that got lodged into the heel of my shoe. You were the second person I've interviewed who's like, <laughs> my injury happened because like, we need to do a costume prep, y'all. <laughs> you need to do a costume prep. You need to do a costume Yo. episode. I mean, I'm pretty sure your listeners will be like, yes, I've been injured because of a costume, whether it be one of their own or somebody else's. Hmm. Um it was a jewel from one of the ladies' costumes in my cast that fell jewel side up. So the smooth side was on the stage and the jewel side was facing up. And in the midst of me dancing throughout the show, it got lodged in my, in my shoe. So it was not the smooth side that was down. It was the jeweled side mm. that was down. And it formed a perfect slide for me (laughs) because I went to take off to do a jump um a jump Alice Cone and by the time I took the plie I just it was like I hit a slip inside like both of the both of my legs went up in front of me and I was in a starfish position and just came tumbling down fully center stage like Every, like, the worst thing that could happen to a dancer is falling on stage. The second worst thing that could happen to a dancer is falling on stage, center stage. And (laughs) that's what happened to me. And I recovered really quick. And at this point in the show, it was towards the end. We had done about 75% of the show. So there was only a little bit left and everybody's asking me if I'm okay when I came off for the quick change. Like, are you okay? Can you continue? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like, of course I'm fine. My adrenaline is going. Right. There's no, there's no like sharp pain to where I like can't perform. I can't walk. There's none of that. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like, that's going to be funny to like look back and watch the video, which it is. <laughs> I'll show Sherelle after, after we finish the show and she can, we can laugh about it, but once I finished the show and I came down from the adrenaline high that I had, that's when the pain set in. Right. And I said, okay, this is, this is my coccyx. Like, this, this is nothing, like, it's not my hip. It's not my gluteus. Like, this is my coccyx bone. And the only reason I knew that is from years of doing coccyx balance. <laughs> Like, thank you, Lester Horton. Thank you, Horton. Thank you, every, shout out to every Horton teacher I've ever had. Because the one thing that we always did was coccyx balance. So from balancing for years on my coccyx, I knew that that's what was hurting. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to fix this? Because my next show is in two days. Like, Mm. I've got to be able to dance. There's no swings on the ship. Like... If I don't okay. want to be the cause of a reblock for the rest of my cast, mm. how am I going to be able to perform? Now, luckily, the show that we did have to do was more was more musical theater, less dancing for me. Okay. Um, so it was I had more time to recover and rehab b- between the fall and my next high intensity show. Gotcha. So- but it was still. It was still a struggle to walk. It was still a struggle to go about my regular activities as a dancer, as an active person. Um, So I want to, and we may know, right? 
But I I want to break down what the coccyx is. Yes, right? give it give it to us. Give us the scientific. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to learn. Right, to learn. Help us. Not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to nerd out too much. You know, just break it down a little bit. But your coccyx is basically three to five vertebrae. The vertebrae of your spine, you know, they, they come together. They make up your spine. And they're fused. Yes. It makes up your coccyx. And, you know, it, it supports you when you're sitting. And there's lots of little muscles that attach to it. Yeah. You know, it gets a little personal. <laughs> but the yes. muscles around, you know, the anus, you know, it's really heavily involved with the pelvic floor. Yes. Also, the gluteus maximus attaches mm-hmm. to it. So, you know, it's something that you really, you know, want to be aware of and pay attention to. Um, a lot of times they say you're going to have pain with sitting and standing up. Did you have that experience? Got you. And then what is it like localized? Did it stay in one spot? Or did it travel? (laughs) I would say the first two weeks it traveled. Mm, Traveled where? It traveled to my low back. Okay. And then down to my glutes got you which makes sense the attachment that's where they're attached that's where those nerves are so it i mean the first two weeks it was just like i i am if i don't have to be on my feet i'm not going to be Uh like i'm going to be laying on my stomach on a pillow like keeping that keeping the partner to that in the front of my body supported to just stay comfortable as Uh much as possible um, and then when I spent the time of like nursing it, because really the only thing you can do for this injury is to nurse it and to wait on your body to heal itself, mm. um, which is hard for anyone who likes to move. Say patience, Lord. Patience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is a virtue. Um, no, but seriously, it's, it. it it was hard because every step was taxing. Like every step hurt for the first two weeks. And then the next two weeks was when it finally started to, you know, subside. And if I had to, if I had to self-diagnose, you know, WebMD myself, um, (laughs) it was just a light bruise Mm -hmm. that I had. and I knew it wasn't anything serious like a break or a fracture or anything like that because I was still able to walk. I was still able to sit down for extended periods, periods of time without like significant pain. Right. Um, and that's just from years of being around physical therapists and them telling me what certain signs are of, you know, a fracture, of a break, of... Um, things that are more serious than a sprain or a bruise. Um, and just to piggyback on that, you know, and to talk about what we mentioned earlier, right? You're also very active. You are training yes. outside of dance. Yeah. All of those elements help your body heal that much faster. Or, or the reason probably why it was just a bruise, right? Because yeah. your core was so strong. You were you had all these other elements helping to support you. Yeah, I feel like had I been just dancing, 
I might have had to come home because it could have been more serious mm-hmm. than than what it was. And the ship that I was on was not equipped for that. Um, if I needed more care, they weren't equipped for that. Yes, they do have a shipboard doctor, but they are just there for, you know, your run-of-the-mill cold or if you have a virus or something like that. They're not... There's, there wasn't an athletic trainer, there wasn't a physical therapist on board. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't someone that I could go to and be like, hey, can you look at this from this standpoint? Right. Um, I mean, I could have gone to him and he could have possibly given me like a steroid shot or something like that, but that is mm-hmm. another I hate those. conversation. Oh. But it's something, but you know, but it's something that is real because when you have the pressure of performing, right. Um, especially once you get to a certain level, you the pressure to perform is high. So if there is something that is quick that's going to alleviate the pain or take away the inflammation to be able to perform, um, a lot of people that are not as secure in their artistry and in their place in the industry might be compelled to do and Truth be told, a lot of dancers, because of how we were trained, have self-esteem issues yeah. already because we're forced to look at ourselves every day in the mirror and we're forced to listen to someone, you know, give us corrections on the scale of you you don't look good or you're not doing this stuff correctly. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into the cognitive side of that conversation oh, yeah. that we have to be able to look at and recognize and it takes a it takes a you know really stable confident type of person to be like okay no I'm going to take myself out like I'm going to sit down I'm going to listen to my body and let the next person up like to that is able to perform at capacity right. that is needed for the work um because I want to perform, like I want to perform later down the road. And uh, I had a teacher for a lot of my training, uh, Denise Jefferson. Uh, She was the director of the Ailey School for a very long time. She passed away in 2009. And she was somebody that was very integral in my realization of wanting to dance professionally and she was someone that I had seen since I was 13 or 14 you yeah. know doing summer program auditions for the Ailey school going to the summer program for the Ailey school I saw her a lot and she would always say do you want to dance for a day or do you want to dance for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and she would say there's nothing one dance or one performance or one show is not worth the rest of your career. So if it's something that is going to be detrimental to your career, it's not worth it. That's a word. It's not worth it. And that is something that I know myself and other students of hers have talked about and we have carried into our professional um, experiences. Do you want to dance for a day or do you want to dance for the rest of your life? No, so true. I want to I want to talk about these injections for a second <laughs> because a lot of times 
what I'm, I'm seeing in the clinic is that these MDs are throwing pills and, and these injections. And the issues with the injections is that they're a Band-Aid. So I do understand for the moment you need to have yeah, the show like a, yeah. to get it done. But I also want to say, I don't know if doctors are educating people on this, but the, the, the steroid that is in the injection eats away, it deteriorates the cartilage. Yeah. So it's in turn making you weaker to do this one <laughs> performance. So I'm just like, and then sometimes you hear that people are getting multiples and like there's even, you're, yeah, you're only allowed to have a certain amount within a year or something yes, like that. And most people are maxing that out and then some yeah. in a short amount of time to get through a season or to get through. And listen, I understand. I completely understand because I've had friends and other colleagues who, uh, you know, are on Broadway and they have like, they have to get through award season. And award season for Broadway is huge, um, especially if you happen to be nominated for a Tony. There's a lot of extra performances that go into, you're doing press, you're up later, you're doing, you know, your, your daily schedule, your regimen is thrown off. And I've seen both sides of the coin, like people that have done the steroids to get through that time and what they dealt with after, and people that have been like, no, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say no to, I'm going to tell my team to say no to certain things. Like, I'm, I need time to heal because I want to stay in the show. Right. Because that, yes, I'm nominated for these awards and that's great, but we don't do it for that, we do it for the show. Like... We do it to stay in the show because that's what we love doing. So I completely understand it, but at a certain point, you have to have the conversation with yourself and be like, what is it that I really want? Right. Do I want to do this one performance or do I want to be able to perform for the rest of the year without having to take significant time off? Um, So there's two sides to that very controversial coin. but I don't think that MDs are really telling people what, you know, the risks are when they take these medications or they have the steroid injections. Um, I just don't think they're telling people enough because it, it's happening more rapidly than it was in the past. Yeah. Because people are so, like, we live in, a, we live in such a microwave universe now to where everything's at our fingertips, so we want it fixed now. We want it fixed right now and that's it and we'll pay for it we'll do whatever we need to to have it fixed not realizing the repercussions when that wears off so true so true thank you you know it's it's one thing when it's said from me or us but when you also hear it from the dancer on the level right the professional level it makes a difference you hear that experience you know that that testimonial that story yeah so um, thank you for sharing that with the listeners. Um, and so my next question is, what are your expectations um, from physical therapists? Right? I feel like <laughs> I, I, I say this every week. I throw it underneath the bus. I'm fine with that. I plan on doing something about it. When I do. Listen, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about growing. It's about growth. So what can you tell us? What do you feel like? you the dancers need from physical therapists so that they can get the care that they deserve yeah i have worked with a (laughs) lot of physical therapists and i'm telling like 
people who are at the top of their field. So me personally, when I go into a session with a physical therapist, I'm expecting greatness because that's what I'm used to. So it's just like I, I, I know from the first appointment what this experience is going to be like mm-hmm. based on my history. But in regards to your question, I think physical therapists need to listen to what the dancer is saying and not what they've learned. Say it again one more time. What physical therapists need to do is listen to what the dancer is saying and not what they've learned as a doctor to become a physical therapist. Like you, the data is always going to say something because that's what data does. But what you have to do is take the data that you have learned, the information that you have learned, and now apply it to a real life, living and breathing human who is ever changing, who is always like always growing, the body is always repairing itself in its own way. So you have to you have to you have to go a little deeper, which Yes, it may take a little bit of extra work, but if you put in the extra work now, you're going to have years and years of referrals and high like high praise and all of that that will lead to more avenues of revenue and all of that because you took the extra five minutes to diagnose and look at this person's body and listen to the words that they are saying. Like, when I do a demi-plie, this is what's hurting, not this is what should be hurting. No, this is what is hurting. (laughs) This is what is going on. So I need you to address this right here. Um, And I don't mean to like preach. preach. That's just how I feel. That's just because it's something that, you know, we, the two industries have to work hand in hand. Like they, for their success, they have to work hand in hand. For a, physical therapists to have success. They have to have patients that have been treated by them and say that, yes, they are worth everything that they say. Like, follow what they say without question. They know exactly what they're doing. They will listen to you. They will make you feel comfortable. They will, you know, give you all the tools necessary and even, you know, cuss you out sometimes because you weren't doing (laughs) what you, like, what they said to do. But it's because that they know that these tools are going to help you have a long, you know, successful career. Just marinate. Let me let it sit for a second. Let y'all, I'm let y'all take a minute to marinate in that response. Oh yes, I hope rewind this. If you are a physical therapy student, if you are a physical therapist, if you are an MD, you need to rewind that and you yeah. need to hit, you need to listen again and then take note <laughs> because that was that was the money right there. That's the money, and that's what I mean. Yes, you are in this field to help people. You're in this field to make sure that you're in this field because you want to be in this field, but you're also in this field because you have a livelihood to support. Like this is, you've got school to pay off. You've got loans to pay off. Like everybody didn't go to Morehouse. Everybody didn't get their loans paid off this year. So, you know, um, you have to, you have to use the tools and you have to be a person. Like 
you, at the end of the day, you are a human being. So, and I'm talking to the artist as well as the physical therapist now, because you have to realize that you are not a machine. Like you just can't, if you're a physical therapist, you just can't spit out information arbitrarily and expect this other human to process it and apply it without correctly showing them how to do it, correctly explaining how it's going to affect what they're doing, um, explaining all of the possible side effects that may come with doing these things, the limitations that you may have in the meantime that will lead to a healthier career. You have to explain that. And for dancers, you have to realize that we are not computers. We are not robots. You can't just program your body to do all these amazing things that we do without fail every time. It's live theater. Things are going to happen. You can't always be in control. So you have to allow yourself that grace and that space to be human. Like, that's it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that word, Brother Bennett. Listen, I'm always here. I'm always here. Oh, my gosh. So can you you please tell the people where they can find you? Facebook, Instagram, the whole nine. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm weaning myself off of Facebook because that's like, that in this current climate is just, you know, not the best place to be. So... You won't find me there very much, but where you will find me is on Instagram at Raymond.Lamar. And that's where you'll find all the things about me. I am coming out with a podcast of my own. Yes. Shameless plug, shameless plug. Plug it. Um, it's going to be called The Workshop Podcast. And I'm going to be talking to creatives, entrepreneurs, and artists alike. And it's going to be interview-based podcasts like Sherelle's, and we're just going to—they're just going to come on, and we're going to talk about you know their careers and the struggles that they may have had, and how they've overcome them and become successful, and what their version of success is. So be on the lookout for that. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Listen, we love plugs over here. That's my <laughs> purpose. I need everybody to win. I want to lift listen, everybody. Get on here and talk about yourself. Let listen, them know. And I'm going to leave you with another gem. This is the last one that I'm going to drop. Um, there is enough for everybody. No matter what industry that you're in, there is enough for everyone. You, you need to support the people that are in your network that do the same things that you do because they do something well that you don't do very well and vice versa. So you need to support everybody, big up everybody that you know mean something to you and even the people that don't mean anything to you that are doing great work you still need to plug them you still need to you know lift them up because that's what we need right now in every industry in the world we just need more people that lift people up rather than tear them down so there's enough out here for everybody keep lifting people up yeah what a way to end i was touched by this episode (laughs) i know y'all like this was everything. Thank you so much, Ray, of for course. coming on, you guys. And I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Art of Body Language podcast. I will see you next week.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Art of Body Language podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show. This episode is sponsored by Twerk From Home. Twerk stands for the whole body exercise routine that cares. But we help people who are tired of traditional forms of exercise build confidence and fall in love with getting active in a safe and purposeful way. We are located in New York, New York and have just launched the VIP Twerk From Home experience. If you or someone you know are interested in having an exclusive twerk shop from the comfort of your home, please contact us at viptwerkfromhome at gmail.com. Space on the schedule is limited. If you enjoyed this episode and you believe it would benefit a dancer that you know, please be sure to share it with them. As always, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Art of Body Language. If you'd like to connect further, please email us at theartofbodylanguage at gmail.com. Again, that is the art of body language at gmail.com. Thank you, and make sure to tune in to our next episode. Have a beautiful day.